Welcome to this podcast brought to you by Pointer, the school for journalists. This is Roy Peter Clark, author of the book Writing Tools, 50 Essential Strategies for Every Writer. And this is the podcast version of tool number 35, Report and Write for Scenes. Then align those scenes in a meaningful sequence. Tom Wolfe argues that realism in fiction and nonfiction is built on, quote, scene-by-scene construction, telling the story by moving from scene to scene and resorting as little as possible to sheer historical narrative. This requires, according to Wolfe's manifesto in the book The New Journalism, extraordinary feats of reporting so that writers actually witness the scenes in other people's lives. That advice was offered more than 40 years ago, but adherence to it still makes eyewitness storytelling seem new. Here is a story out of Baghdad in Iraq. On a cold concrete slab, a mosque caretaker washed the body of 14-year-old Arkan Daif for the last time. With a cotton swab dipped in water, he ran his hand across Daif's olive corpse dead for three hours, but still glowing with life. He blotted the rose-red shrapnel wounds on the soft skin of Daif's right arm and right ankle with the poise of practice. Then he scrubbed his face, scabbed with blood, left by a cavity torn in the back of Daif's skull. The men in the Imam Ali Mosque stood somberly, waiting to bury a boy who, in the words of his father, was, quote, like a flower. Hadir Kathin, the caretaker, asked, What's the sins of the children? What have they done? This is the Pulitzer Prize-winning work of Anthony Shadid, covering the war in Iraq for the Washington Post, practicing a form of immersion journalism, getting close to the action, capturing scene after bloody scene. Scenes can be witnessed, or in fiction, invented, but they can also be remembered, as in this scene from the childhood of Nora Ephron. It is September, just before school begins. I am 11 years old, about to enter the seventh grade, and Diana and I have not seen each other all summer. I am walking down Walden Drive in my jeans and father's shirt hanging out, and my old red loafers with the socks falling into them, and coming towards me is, I take a deep breath, a young woman, Diana. Her hair is curled, and she has a waist, and hips, and a bust, and she's wearing a straight skirt, an article of clothing I have been repeatedly told I will be unable to wear until I have the hips to hold it up. My jaw drops, and suddenly I am crying, crying, hysterically, can't catch my breath sobbing. My best friend has betrayed me. She has gone ahead without me and done it. She has shaped up. That's Nora Ephron from her book, Crazy Salad. The scene is the basic unit of narrative literature, the capsule of time and space created by the writer and entered by the reader or viewer. What we gain from the scene is not information, but experience. We were there on that sidewalk with Nora Ephron. We are there. As the atom is the smallest discrete unit of matter, writes novelist Holly Lyle on her website, 
So the scene is the smallest discrete unit in fiction. It is the smallest bit of fiction that contains the essential elements of story. You don't build a story or a book of words and sentences and paragraphs. You build it of scenes, one piled on top of the next, each changing something that came before, all of them moving the story inexorably and relentlessly forward. From childhood, we inhale scenes. We experience them from literature and news reports, from comic strips and comic books, from movies and television, from advertising and public service announcements, from our memories and dreams. But all these are, to use a literary word, mimetic. They are imitations of real life. And there you have the podcast version of tool number 35, Report and write for scenes, then align them in a meaningful sequence.